know, for me, there are times when my tongue doesn't seem to do what I think I want it to do. Unfortunately, that's true not just in tongue twisters, but with the words we say, right, and how we say them. Uh, Have your words ever gotten you into trouble? I'm not going to call on you. Anybody? I guess I'm the only one. Is that it? Okay, maybe. All right. Uh, Maybe you've lashed out in anger at someone or you've spread rumors that ended up not being true or maybe you've put someone down or you lied to someone or maybe you have a habit of telling some off-color jokes or using bad language. Uh, Well, we don't have to testify on on those specific things, but but, uh, maybe, I don't know, a couple of you raised your hands. Maybe this was just a problem that the, uh, the, the churches that, that James was writing to had because they seem to have had some trouble with this. We're back in our study in the book of James and uh, we're in chapter three here today and, and we're gonna see that James gets pretty specific about how we use our words and how we're supposed to control our tongues. Words matter. Although it's hard, uh, controlling our words is an important part of living out a faith that works. So, so what's the big deal about this? Uh, and how can we use our words for good instead of getting derailed and, and, uh, and, and getting into negativity? James has a, has a lot to say about this, and, and it, it actually takes up uh, most of chapter 3 in this letter. So we've gone through chapter 1, we've through chapter 2, uh, and, and now we're, uh, he turns a little bit of a corner here as he changes subjects at the beginning of chapter 3. Uh, follow along either up on the uh, up on the jumbotron there or on your own device or in your Bible. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or, or take ships as an example. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life, uh, and is itself set on fire by hell. I mean, he's, I think he's got, a, got an opinion here. Let's keep going. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed or have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursings. My my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh Water. I, I think I think we're on the same page. Probably, if I was to go around, we were we were to uh, to talk a little bit. I, I think we'd we'd recognize or or we'd all admit that that it is uh, many times difficult to control what we say and how we say it. But I wonder if we might not all agree so readily on why James makes such a big deal about it. 
I mean, it's almost a whole chapter in the Bible just about this. I mean, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, sometimes our words cause problems, and, and uh, I mean, is, is a little cussing and complaining really that big of a deal? Actually, if we, you know, we see this, and James makes a big deal, he makes a big deal about it because it's a pretty big deal to God. And we're going to see that, uh, that throughout Scripture, uh, God makes, uh, makes this, uh, this point as well. Uh, just very, very brief example uh, of the Ten Commandments, 30% of them, uh, a, th- a third of them are, uh, are, are about our words. Honor your, your, your parents, don't lie, uh, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Uh, God seems to think uh, that what we say and how we say it are pretty, is pretty important because our, it's not just a communication issue, I guess is, is what, I'm, what I'm saying. It's a, it's a heart issue. I, I know I've said this more than once from, from this very spot, uh, but it bears repeating and we want to keep coming back to it because the words you use reveal what's in your heart. Your heart controls your tongue. Uh, so, so if you're saying things that don't please God, that's coming from a heart that isn't fully devoted to him yet. We see it in Matthew chapter 12, uh, uh, Jesus' words himself beginning in, uh, in verse 34, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Uh, in different translation, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for the empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned." Words are, are merely evidence of what's living in your heart. Uh, if you uh, speak words of deceit or conceit or jealousy or rebellion or fill in the blank, then, then that's coming from a heart that's full of those things too. The uh, converse is also true. If you're speaking words of joy and blessing and love and peace and kindness, it's coming from an overflow of a heart that is full of those characteristics. Uh, James has already foreshadowed this passage. We, we, when we were in uh, James chapter, the end of chapter one, I kind of skipped over a verse and said, we're going to get to that. We're getting to that right now uh, because it says in, in chapter one, verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. What we say, how we use our words, is a spiritual issue. It's not just no big deal. Uh, You're not really religious. You're not really following God if you're not controlling what you say. It's a big deal because our words reveal our hearts. That's why God, that's why James emphasizes this. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the main reason that, that our words reveal. Our, there's another reason, I, I think a, another big reason is all the damage that our words can do. James makes the point of, of emphasizing the smallness of our tongue and yet the massive uh, impact that it can have. Three distinct images there in the middle of that passage. Um, he, he talks about a horse's bit uh, and, and how that, that small little piece of metal can, can, can turn the whole horse with that little, little, little thing. Uh, a ship's rudder that the pilot can turn the whole big huge ship just by turning that little rudder that's down in the water in the back. And, and then he also talks about a little tiny spark that can cause a huge fire and the devastation that can come. All of those things are, are, are very small and yet they do so 
much. So I, I guess the phrase don't sweat the small stuff doesn't fit here because, because uh, the, this tiny part of our body, our mouths, our, our, our tongues can bring about massive destruction. So, so why is it a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because uh, our mouth, uh, what, our words reveal what's in our hearts. And it's a big deal because it causes so much destruction, so much damage. I, I still remember a when I was a kid growing up in church, uh, every once in a while they'd, they'd call the kids up and have the kids' sermon. And the pastor would gather them all around. And I remember uh, being gathered around, I think the, yeah, the carpet was purple, the big purple curtains and all the, I mean it was, yeah, anyway. Um, for some reason this, uh, this story continues uh, in, in my head. We, we gathered around and, and uh, well, I guess because it was cool. Because he wasn't just preaching, he, was, uh, he, he had a tube of toothpaste. I mean, since when do you have that in church on a Sunday morning, right? Tube of toothpaste, and he handed it around along with a plate, and he had us take turns squeezing that tube of toothpaste. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. So we're squeezing out that toothpaste and, and getting it out, and, and he passed it all around, all the kids, and, until it was just a big flat, and all the toothpaste is out on the, out on the plate. And, and, uh, and then he called one unsuspecting little, little kid up, and uh, he gave him a, a toothpick and a butter knife, and he said, all right, put all that back in there. Well, the poor kid tried. I was glad that I wasn't that poor kid, but um, he, he couldn't do it, right? And he, he gave up after just a minute. I mean, maybe a little bit here and there. And then our pastor went up to explain to use that as an illustration of uh, that it, this was a picture of what happens when we speak, that what we say, we can't always get it back, that there's, there's damage done. We can't just make things back the way, it, the way it was again, that it's hard. We put people down. We say things we shouldn't. It, it does damage that, that we can't quite ever get back again. The things we say can have a long-lasting, sometimes irreparable impact. What we say uh, controls us and it influences others. We, we've all been hurt by, by careless words from other people. And I would guess that we have all at some point hurt others with our careless words. There may be relationships, broken relationships in your life right now because of words that were spoken. Careless words cause damage. Words matter. Although it's, although it's hard, controlling our words is an important part of living out a faith that works. So we need to get specific. What, do, uh, what, what really does, uh, does it look like if we're misusing our words and, and it causes problems? What are we talking about here? Well, well James covers uh, uh, some of these things not only in this passage but, but in other places in this letter. The, 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 the first one is uh, cursing and immoral speech. Verse, verse 10, he, he, he talks a bit about that. Uh, I remember the story of, a, of a, a little boy who was selling a lawnmower. And the lawnmower uh, looked like it had, it had seen better days. A preacher came along, was walking down the street and, and needed a lawnmower and, and uh, didn't have a whole lot of money to get one. And he saw this kid and a sign that, that, uh, that said he was selling it. And so he asked the kid, uh, does it run? And he said, yes, sir. And the preacher said, well, do you mind if I, if I try it and... And check and, and go right ahead. And so he, a uh, preacher pulled on it and just uh, didn't really come to life and pulled on it again and made a couple of adjustments and, and did the primer and all the things and pulled again and pulled again and pulled again and, and just wasn't happening. And finally he turns to the kid and he says, he says, it, it ain't running. And the kid says, well, mister, you got to cuss it. And the preacher said, cuss it. I have been a preacher of the word of God for over 20 years. 
I don't, I, I'm not going to cuss it. And he said, well, just keep pulling that, that, that cord. It'll come back to you, he said. Ephesians 5, 4 says that there shouldn't be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking because they're out of place if we're followers of God. I, yeah, I mean, we could say, and I know that I've, I've uh, preached a whole series on how we use our words, and we've probably spent a whole week, uh, you know, a whole sermon just on each one of these things, so, so we can't really go in depth. And, and I know that they're, you know, we might say, well, they're just words. Somebody haphazardly come up with these are bad words and these are not bad. Our society has determined that certain things are obscene. God has determined certain things are obscene. Don't be obscene, James says. Cursing and immoral speech shouldn't characterize the life of followers of Jesus. Boasting is another thing that James mentions here in verse 5. First uh, John 2.16 says the, the boasting of what we have and do uh, doesn't come from the Father, it comes from the world. The, the, the world boasts. Remember, James has said we're not supposed to be polluted by the world. Our character, uh, our actions, the things that we do and say need to be different from the world. Uh, boasting comes from, uh, from the world. D.L. Moody used to say that he was glad that we're not saved by our good works because he didn't want to sit around in heaven listening to people brag about how they got there, right? Uh, Rick Warren wrote in The Purpose Driven Life, people are always more encouraged when we share how God's grace helped us in weakness than when we brag about our strengths. Boasting and bragging simply puts the focus on us, right? And, and it comes from a heart that is full of pride. If my heart is full of pride, it's going to bubble out. It's going to overflow into speech that is, uh, that is boastful. And, and, and so that, uh, that is yet another thing that, uh, that James warns us about. Uh, the third thing is slander and gossip. In chapter 4, verse 11, he, uh, he refers to this. I remember the story of a, of a lady in a, in a church in a small town uh, years ago, and uh, her name was Harriet, and she was the self-appointed supervisor of the church's morals, right? And she would, at times, stick her nose into people's business, probably where it shouldn't be, and, and, and yet in that small church, in that small town, they just kind of, well, that's Harriet, and they just kind of let it go. Well, this, this uh, guy that was new to the church, uh, his name was George, and, and at one point, Harriet accused George of being an alcoholic, and she started spreading the rumor, he's an alcoholic. He, I saw his truck parked at the town bar all afternoon. She's spreading this gossip. Well, George heard about it, didn't say much, didn't do anything or confront her in any way. Simply, uh, the, the, the day that he heard about that, he uh, quietly drove his truck and parked it in Harriet's driveway and left it there for the night. I don't know if that's the way you need to handle that, but, but uh, gossip, uh, if you don't know the whole story, even if you do know the whole story, but it's none of your business, then, then shut up, right? Can we say that? Oh, we just broadcast that to the world. Oh, well. But, uh, uh, and we, you know, in church, we, the joke is that prayer requests can turn into gossip pretty quick. If you just put, let's pray for them at the end of it, then it makes it holy and we can go ahead and share everybody's business, right? But, uh, but, but that's, not, that's not, uh, not what James is, is talking about here. We, uh, we talked a little bit about this in our ser- series on Proverbs this summer. A couple of those verses in Proverbs twelve eighteen, it says the words pierce like swords. In Proverbs fifteen four, it says a perverse crushes the spirit. Words 
are powerful. You can literally crush someone's spirit. You can pierce their heart with reckless, unthinking, or even intentionally hurtful comments. I mean, it's, it's so prevalent uh, in our society, and we see it especially on social media today, right? And, and not just our students, uh, uh, students and adults alike. The snide comments, a little, a little thing here or there, and uh, it injures people deep within. It, it, it seems easier to attack online than in person, I think, and uh, maybe we need to think a little bit about that with two days to go till election day. Sometimes... When I'm online, I resonate with, with the psalmist's words from Psalm 57.4. <laughs> As I'm scrolling through Facebook, I am in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. <laughs> As James says, brothers and sisters, this should not be. Don't use your words to pierce or to crush Slander, gossip, putting people down usually is because we're trying to lift ourselves up and it again comes from a heart full of pride. I've said for years we always carry two buckets uh, into every conversation, a bucket of water and a bucket of gasoline. And and if the conversation starts uh, uh, to go a certain direction, we can either put that out or we can fan it into flame. Uh, The tongue can be a spark that causes a great fire (laughs) put it out no slander and gossip another one that that I think maybe hits too close to home and that's grumbling complaining and criticizing chapter 5 verse 9 as well as other places James uh, talks about uh, this this issue of grumbling and there was uh, maybe you've heard the story of the, the 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 man who joined a monastery became a monk and it was uh, he took a vow of silence um, and uh, each year he was allowed to allowed to say two words and so the uh, uh, the first year they pulled him in and they said what what would you like to say and the man said uh, food bad <laughs> he went back to living in this monastery vow of silence the second year uh, his uh, his supervisor called him in and he said what would you like to say and uh, and he said bed hard the third year, they called him back in. They said, what would you like to say? And he said, I quit. <laughs> and his supervisor said, well, that doesn't surprise me one bit. You've done nothing but complain ever since you got here. <laughs> That's funny, but uh, I, I don't know if you've ever kind of thought about it or monitored your words. I mean, we do this a lot. We complain a lot. Maybe I'm the only one. I think I'm not. Uh, we don't want to, we're negative, we criticize, we complain. If things don't line up exactly the way we think they should or it falls in our favor, then it's always somebody else's fault, right? A lot of, a lot of the time anyway. Uh, so it, we become negative complaining people. But who wants to be around negative complaining people? Uh, and we think about sarcasm. Uh, people that are sarcastic, I think, you know, these, they're the, uh, the, the we've got um, stand-up comedians and that's you know, usually their their whole thing. They're made, well. What about this? And look at that. And ha. And and yet, if we become uh, sarcastic in order to get laughs, um, you know, those sarcastic people are, have a hard hard time enjoying life because they're always looking for the negative, the thing to make fun of. If you're a negative person, it will come out in how you talk. Look for the good, not not the bad. Um, I, Grumbling and complaining comes from a selfish heart. 
I want things my way, so if it's not working out that way, somebody or something must have caused that, and so uh, things aren't working out the way I thought, then it must be somebody else's fault. And, and uh, God's way, though, is not negative and complaining. Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining or arguing. Psalm 133.1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. I believe the best antidote for grumbling, criticizing, and complaining is gratitude. We're in November, so we're heading fast toward Thanksgiving, and I guess that's where we're we're thinking. But every day of the year should be a day of gratitude. I ran across this quote. It says, there is a secret to happiness, and it is gratitude. All happy people are grateful, and ungrateful people cannot be happy. We tend to think that it is being unhappy that leads people to complain, but it is truer to say that it is complaining that leads people to become unhappy. Become grateful, and you'll become a much happier person. James says, get rid of all that grumbling and complaining. And then the the fifth thing, one thing that that maybe we don't think about uh, uh, in this topic, but James spends several verses on it, and and that's what what I've called duplicity. being two-faced or hypocritical. And verses 9 through 12, he kind of talks about, uh, you know, the two sides of the same thing and trying to praise God over here but cursing other people over there. And, and, uh, and, and he, he tackles this. In chapter 1, he talks about it or calls it being double-minded and, and compares people who are double-minded to, to being like a, a small boat on a large sea being tossed back and forth by the waves. He says they are unstable in all they do. Duplicity just means that your outside lifestyle, your outside words don't match your inner spiritual commitments. You say one thing, you do another. It just doesn't add up. And, and James emphasizes that it's, it's really impossible to live this way. Maybe you can cover for a while. Uh, but, but he says fresh water and bitter water can't come from the same spring. He's, he's diving into nature here and he's saying it just doesn't happen. If you've got a bitter spring, you're not going to get fresh water out of it. Uh, he says figs don't grow on olive trees. We, we got it. We, we know. And so you can't worship God and curse people with the same mouth. What's in the well will come out in the water. What's in the tree will come out in the fruit. Eventually, your words reveal your heart. So... So as we think about these things, and I'm sure there are more, but, but if, if you see some of these bad habits creeping into your conversations, it's a spiritual issue and, and you need to attend to these things. These are, again, just a, a, spe- spe- a few specific ways that, that, that get us in trouble with our words. Instead of speaking those ways, we need to control our words and we need to please God with our tongues because words matter. Controlling our words is an important part of living out a faith that works. But how do we do that, right? Because James says you can't do that. James says uh, that, uh, that, that no person has ever been able to do this. So let's just give up and move on. It's going to be a struggle for us the rest of our lives, so forget about it, right? Um, there, uh, we, can, we can talk here about certain habits that may, we might develop, right, and, and certain things to, in order to uh, control the, our, the ungodly use of our words. I mean, I don't think it's in the Bible, but some people have a cuss jar on the mantle, right? And uh, you say, say something, uh, use, use a cuss word, you got to put a dollar in the jar. Um, I'm guessing some of you, it, maybe it's, uh, you need to make it a 10. But anyway, the, uh, uh, I'm just kidding. Present company excluded, of course. But um, 
Uh, I don't know what habits you can put. Obviously, there are things that we can do to outwardly curb what we're saying. Uh, but uh, James emphasizes a, uh, one, that, that, uh, one, one thing that we really, really can do. Um, it, it's in chapter 1, verse 19, and that is to listen. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. If we're not speaking as much, we won't get in trouble as much. Uh, talk is cheap. Uh, I've heard this said, talk is cheap because the supply always exceeds the demand. Uh, one other person has said, the reason a dog has so many friends is that he wags his tail more than his tongue. I don't want to encourage you to go out and wag your tail, I guess. But um, that's a whole other sermon maybe. But uh, so many times our words get us into trouble because we just didn't take the time to listen and to learn. You, you don't always have to say something. You don't always have to comment on, uh, on something on, uh, on social media. Uh, try waiting before you open your mouth or write that post or send that text. Ask questions without judgment. Listening goes a long way in deepening relationships. Being quick to speak and slow to listen goes a long way in, in separating relationships. James says we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And another thing that, that uh, scripture talks about that, that is, a, is a great thing to do in controlling our tongue is to filter uh, what, uh, what, what we say. Put a filter over our mouth, so to speak. Uh, and it, Paul talks about in Ephesians 4.29, he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So what if that was your filter when you're talking? Uh, any words passing through that filter, uh, the only words that get, get through are those that are helpful, those that build up, those that are wholesome. If it's not those things, don't say it. That means, again, we're, we're listening. We're, we're, we're not just jumping right in, but we're filtering things. But, but James does seem to be pretty pessimistic here. I mean, he says in no uncertain terms, that, uh, uh, that, that, that we just don't have the ability to do this. No human being can tame the tongue. And, I mean, and he's right. It's in Scripture. Uh, we need to do our part, set up those habits and, and routines and those kinds of things to control ourselves, to listen, to filter our language. But in the end, the words that we use will spring from our hearts. So the real way to clean up your language is to let God clean up your heart how are we going to clean up our language let God clean us up from the inside out the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit is within us if we've invited him to uh, to, to live within us if we've committed to following Christ then he is in the process of developing his godly character in our hearts and so our words should start to sound like his words when the Holy Spirit is transforming our heart transforming our character then we'll begin to be more patient and loving and kind and good as we interact with others and our words will be more patient and loving and kind and good because it's the Holy Spirit who is transforming us from the inside out. So that's really the first step, maybe the only step. The, the first step toward cleaning up your speech is to invite the Holy Spirit into your heart and give him access to your words. I think James 3.17 uh, helps us here. Uh, it's, it's just a few verses down from what we've been looking at in this passage in chapter 3. Uh, but he kind of wraps up the whole section talking about wisdom from above. And he says, the, and, and, and that can specifically be applied to what we say, and it's in that context. He says, the wisdom that comes from heaven 
is first of all pure and then peace-loving and considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. If the Holy Spirit is controlling us, bringing us the wisdom of heaven, then we'll be pure and considerate and merciful and all those other things. In, in short, all the beauty of heaven will come out in our speech. What, what would that look like for you this week if, if all the beauty of heaven came out? What would that sound like this week at work if, if what you said was allowing all of the beauty of heaven to come out? If, what would it look like in your home with your, with your kids, with your spouse, or with your extended family if all the beauty of heaven was, was coming out in what you said? Instead of complaining and criticizing, instead of cursing or, or tearing people down, what if you allowed all of the beauty of heaven to come out in those situations? The best way, the only lasting way to clean up your language is to let God clean up your heart. And when he does, people will notice. <laughs> James emphasizes here in chapter 3, words matter, although it's hard. He says it's virtually impossible. It's hard for, we can't do it on our own. But controlling our words is an important part of living out a faith that works. So as you invite the Holy Spirit to change your heart, he'll start changing your words. And instead of the ugliness of slander and gossip and complaining and, and all the rest that we've talked about today, you'll begin to see his character flavor the words that you speak. So sure, change your habits. Uh, take time to listen. Uh, uh, ask yourself if your words are encouraging and helpful. Get a cuss jar. Whatever you need to do, change your habits. But, but ultimately, invite the Holy Spirit to help you control what you say and how you say it. Because, and I've said it a lot of times and I'm going to say it one more time, words matter. Although it's hard, controlling our words is an important part of living out a faith that works. Father God, what a, what a privilege it is to know you and to know that, that you care enough about us to even care about what we say and how we say it. Lord, I, we know that, that words can bring life or words can cause pain and damage. We want our words to bring life. And so we ask that your spirit would transform us. Lord, if there are things in uh, habits in our speech that are ungodly, point those things out to us today. Lord, we give you access the words that we say and we pray that you would use those words to bring people closer to you maybe even this week in jesus name we pray amen